Buenos dias, Metropolitan Culture Corner family. How are you? Happy New Year. We are back from the holiday break, and let me tell you, I've missed you guys. It's winter and it's cold. I'm still really happy to be back. This is the very first interview of 2022, so we wanted it to be with someone very special. Of course, all of our Culture Corner interviews are special, from actors to painters to directors to designers to chefs to authors to poets. Every one of these creative people I've had the opportunity to speak with over the past two years is an inspiration, and this month we are lucky to speak with photographer Margaret Stepien. She is Polish-Canadian, but has been based in Barcelona for over 20 years. Her specialty for the past 10 years has been shooting food and drink, as well as lifestyle photography. Margaret used to be something of a jack-of-all-trades, shooting anything and everything to make ends meet, from weddings to boats to portraits, even art photography, some of which was featured in films such as Diary of an Maniac or Woody Allen's Vicky Cristina Barcelona. Her start as a food photographer happened by chance, and since then she has never looked back. She's worked all all over the world, shooting campaigns in Italy, Lebanon, Kuwait, Georgia, and beyond for brands, a couple of small companies that you might have heard of, such as PepsiCo, Almaray, Freshnet, Danone, or Danone, as they say here in Spain, Kraft, McDonald's, KFC, Lonely Planet, Netflix, I mean, the list just goes on and on and on. She's also the creator of the Foodie Lookbook, a super cool visual project that really you can't get a sense of unless you check it out. And she has recently opened an incredible new space in Barcelona called Fat Cat Studio. Margaret's philosophy is always to adapt to any environment, to always seek inspiration, to keep the creative juices flowing, whether she's working on a project for a client in a country across the world, or coming up with new ways to combine colors and textures, or just getting out of the studio and enjoying nature in the very little free time that she has. Please welcome to the Metropolitan Culture Corner, our guest this month, versatile, creative, food and drink and lifestyle photographer, Margaret Stepien. I don't think I could teach it because I don't really know what I'm doing most of the time. I mean, when you're working, you go, oh, it would totally make sense to have a wrinkled piece of newspaper here, you know? And sometimes when I'm working, I'm going, why does that make sense? You know, how does that thought enter your head? And it's such a strange job because it just sort of comes out. I think you have to have this kind of strange connection with your intuition and have a different sensitivity. It's interesting to think about the way creative people work. Obviously the creative process is very subjective. And so whoever is talking to you or explaining to you their vision, part of being a good photographer or designer or any sort of creative is that you interpret what they're trying to say and and you know how to accomplish the final result, hopefully in the way they imagined it. I've worked in a lot of different places, but actually what I find is that there's less differences than we imagine. People are very similar all over the planet, they have similar sort of ways of communicating and needs, and some are kind of more fun than others. <laughs> I think it's more people-based than cultural. Depends on more the actual individuals that are involved in the culture itself. Welcome and thank you for talking to us. I know you're super busy. So first, the most basic question of all, what made you pick up a camera in the first place? How did you get into photography in general? I think there's something where you're kind of born with a little bit of dominance in one sense or another. Some people obviously kind of lean into music and some people lean into more the visual things. I've always been very visual and I took some classes in school and then just kind of kept it going for a while as a hobby. 
I studied at a technical college in Canada. I didn't go the creative route. There's obviously a university program where you study sort of the history of art and sculpture and there's like a photo part. I went into a school where you were taught sort of the mechanics behind photography. So I just always believed that you're either creative or you're not creative. So I didn't think you could be really taught that. Later you experimented with all kinds of photography, but eventually kind of found your niche with food and drink, commercial photography. But that kind of started by chance, right? So I went through technical studies and we touched upon many different types of photography, but yeah, never actually did we do any kind of food. When I came out of school, obviously I was, as most of us come out wanting to be extremely creative. And so you go straight into fashion or maybe lifestyle or some people go into product photography, but I was quite social. So I was really into the human part. I really liked working with people and I started off with fashion, but then I had a neighbor who had a restaurant and he asked me to photograph his restaurant and the dishes. So that was the first time I was doing that but somehow I guess it came out really well because then his web designer asked me to do more and then there was agencies that asked me to do I kind of had been struggling up to that point trying to make a niche or trying to get things rolling in different fields of photography but when I started with the food all of a sudden there was a lot of people coming to me to do more so that was great so how is food photography different from the other kinds of photography that you've done? For example, shooting a model or other kind of lifestyle photography, I would assume the process is different than when you have to approach the kind of work you do now. Fashion or portraits or interiors. As a young photographer, you're kind of doing whatever you can to make a living. And each one requires kind of a different set of skills. For example, with people, you have to know how to communicate well, how to pose well, how to light them, how to light certain faces. I mean, obviously there's people you like that you want to have texture lighting so you see all the wrinkles on their face and if you're working with fashion you light it so that you don't see obviously the flaws so with food it's it's kind of hard to explain because actually what you need to do is you visually stimulate so that the viewer imagines the taste of the food or the texture of the food so if you're photographing something like crispy you know you have to kind of light it and photograph it maybe combining different textures with the styling or on set that actually provoke this idea that this food is crunchy. It's a different kind of set of skills in terms of lighting. I didn't study it, so it wasn't something like checklist of things that I had to do. It was just kind of natural, like started doing it and people responded well. There's not really rules about how to do it. And there's so many food photographers and everybody will have their way of doing it. So it's kind of hard to explain, but once you see it well done, you go, yeah, that makes sense. You also work with food stylists for some of your photos, right? So mm -hmm. what role does the stylist yeah. play in the look of the final image, do they come and they bring a lot of ideas to the table or how does it work? In food photography, every photographer kind of decides on his role and his sort of limits, right? So there's some photographers that just do the lighting and the compositions. There might be a prop stylist that brings in the plates and the table and the napkins, things that you use to prepare a photo. And then there's the food stylist. In Spain, they call it the home economist. What they do is they prepare the food for the photo. So if you're making a hamburger, you do think funny things like lettuce casting, tomato casting, buns. <laughs> So you might have like 50 buns for a burger and you have to pick the right one. Some people think it's like, oh, they're faking it. But I'm like, well, actually, if you're going to go get your photo taken to a professional photographer, you also dress up, put on your makeup, do your best, look your best. So that's what this food stylist does. They focus on the food. I do all the lighting and I also do the prop styling. So I create the set and the food stylist basically is there to prepare the food and make it look its best. When you're creating the set 
for each shoot, how do you make sure that you're creating something different or unique for each project? You know, let's say you do 20 different hamburger clients. How do you make sure that each hamburger client is different, that each client's going to feel like, yes, that's my recipe, that's my food? Well, actually, that comes mostly from the agencies. The advertising agencies come to us with already an idea, a creative idea behind the campaign. As a creative team between me and the stylist, rarely do we propose the creativity. McDonald's works with a big advertising agency. They create a concept. They may have some uh, layouts for us, color schemes, uh, the guidelines about their brand. They create a campaign according to those guidelines. Like if you're talking to a, a public that's between ages of 20 and 40, or you're trying to attract clients that are 50 and up, you know, so those guidelines and creativity usually come from the agency. And what we do is we execute it. What we do is make sure that what they're imagining, we make it happen. So on a creative level, is that the difference between working for a big company like Netflix or McDonald's or Pepsi versus shooting your neighbor's restaurant? I mean, do you get to have more yeah. for smaller projects? Yeah, I mean, there are clients, like smaller clients, small brands, you know, local restaurants that will ask you for creativity. But even they will send us maybe some Pinterest ideas or things like that. And they say, oh, we really like these photos. We want it to look really light and fresh and friendly. And so I'm like, okay, I suggest you use white backgrounds and maybe this could be look and feel of the lighting or things like that. It's rare that I actually propose creativity. I mean, except in this project where I kind of just go crazy creative and put it out there and see if, you know, people like it. Or, and then there's a little bit of a dialogue there and it's coming from me. Those are sort of pseudo campaigns or you know, just my own kind of creativity, but it's not really for clients. That's one thing I was going to ask you about. During the COVID quarantine, it wasn't possible to work as much as all of us were at home trying to find something to do. Instead of just learning how to do Tai Chi or something, you launched this really yeah. cool personal project called the Foodie Lookbook. What was the inspiration for that? And why choose to shoot one subject in so many different ways? It's really cool. So obviously during quarantine, I had to kind of be on my own a lot. I was just kind of going crazy. But also it gave you a lot of time to kind of imagine things that you might want to do one day. With food, just kind of like any field, there's a tendency at the moment, the style, and so everybody's kind of asking for the same thing, same look and feel. And there's like the rustic chic, uh, worn wood, everything looking sort of farmhouse, you know. And so that style has been around for a while and I really enjoy working with it. But sometimes you think it would be really fun to combine these textures and maybe try a different lighting. And, and I just love the idea of kind of playing with the limits of creativity and the limits of photo photography and not always doing the same thing. You know, if I photograph juice and then I photograph a burger and then I photograph some pasta, the difference in photo style are not going to be as obvious because you're comparing sort of apples and oranges. But when you take just apples <laughs> and you shoot them in 10 different styles, then it's really obvious the influence of the creative process or the photographer's perspective. So if I say, okay, I'm taking these apples and I was like, okay, I'm going to do a very kind of flashy shoot with crazy colors and intense lighting, you know, whatever. And then I'm going to do another one. And so the project came out of COVID because I was basically just alone a lot. So I couldn't get a food stylist in. So I kind of chose really simple ingredients. And then it was sort of play basically just play and to try out different things that normally we don't have time or we don't get asked to do it was fun actually i was appreciating all that time there's no monetary rewards or there's no real plan as a creative person if you always do the same thing either you get bored or you kind of get stagnant and that's kind of a problem in any of these creative fields 
if you become too stuck in one style, the clients will say, oh, well, you know, she does that, that's it. And if you tendencies may change and then you kind of stay stuck in the past and then people might stop calling you because they think, oh, she only does that. So I think it's important to also adapt and to show your creative range. And also just for yourself to always stay sort of motivated and keep it fun. I find my job really fun. So I want to keep it that way. But if you're always doing the same thing, it's just like, okay, you know, I could do this with my eyes closed. What's the part of your work that you, that you love the most? And what's the part that's maybe the most complicated or challenging? And that's pretty easy. The least enjoyable is always the administration, any type of paperwork, budgeting, invoicing, taxes, things like that. I mean, promoting yourself, all those things are part of the business, part of any business. And I think creative people, we just have this like irritation with adulting too hard. <laughs> yeah, I think we're more like inner child people where we just love to play and have fun. And then when you ask us to do something that kind of grown up and mundane, it, it kind of hurts. <laughs> then the fun part obviously is every day is different. The people around food that I worked with, I mean, even like, top Michelin star chefs are people that just really love what they do and enjoy their job. And so it's a really good atmosphere for work. It's just fun. Sometimes you're like, I can't believe I'm getting paid for this. You say that often. <laughs> Do you like cooking and eating too, or just shooting the food? No, I am actually a terrible cook. <laughs> I love eating. I love people cooking for me. I always say it's like my, my studio has thousands of dishes and an amazing kitchen. And I made the honey pot and I'm attracting the bees, you know, so that chefs come to me. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not a great cook. That gives me hope because neither am I. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I've seen photos of the studio, which, you know, it's this old factory converted into this amazing space, packed with all these bowls and plates of all different colors and sizes. So how do you adapt when you're on location and you're not in your studio and you don't have those resources? Well, it depends on the style of shoot. Often we actually take a lot of the styling. We take the dishes with us. For Freshenet, for example, there's an art team that brings a lot of styling because it's not just plates. Often it's also furniture, also locations. and so. It's kind of project-based, but what's nice about this storage that I have is that many times when you're shooting a food campaign, the agency sends you a brief of what they want, and then there's someone that goes out and finds the prop. But when you're setting up the photo, it's not always something you can predict 100%. So it's actually nice to have all these options and then you just say, oh, you know what? This small blue plate would look great in this, you know? It's very easy to kind of play and improvise and let yourself flow. When we're on set, I have to be like, okay, maybe I don't have everything I wish I had. Like, oh, I wish I had a blue plate, but I don't. And so I'm just like, okay, well, we're gonna work with what we have. Speaking of traveling you've traveled a lot and you've met all these incredible people and shot these amazing images of interiors and portraits and travel photography so is that important to you just on a personal level or is that something that you also continue to work in these other fields outside of food photography when i started in photography everybody was saying you have to focus on something you have to find your niche you have to be very specific about what you're working like what is your thing only a food photographer only a beverage photographer i'm only a product photographer and so i started off with so many different variety of things just because i was trying to survive but I also really enjoyed it and so now what's nice is that people see me as someone that's capable of bringing all those different skill sets from these different kind of sectors I did a book for Lonely Planet where they sent me 
to 70 different restaurants around Spain. And my job was to sort of document the recipe. So I had to photograph someone pairing the recipe. I had to photograph the city that we were in. So I was photographing the location. Then I had to do a portrait of the chef and a food photo of the final result. And so, you know, if you have experience in all these different things, then people are comfortable sending you out into these jobs where there's a variety of demands. That's really cool. Speaking of all these incredible places and all these incredible people, everyone always asks expats what brought you here. But I think the more interesting question is, why did you decide to stay and open your studio here rather than end up somewhere else? Barcelona is such a great balance of things. Professionally, it probably would have made more sense for me to go to a larger center like Madrid or Paris, London, because there's always more work in these places. But Barcelona for me is kind of just the right size. It's very open to the world. It's very metropolitan. So you do work with clients from all over the world. Also, at the same time, with a lot of local brands, small companies up to the biggest ones. Then on lifestyle, I really love it. I just really like getting on my bike and being able to get anywhere and I actually have traveled so much that never felt like I was sort of here 100% of the time either. So I just find a really comfortable place to be. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much. And it was really interesting. Yeah, my pleasure. <laughs> thank you so much, Margaret. And thank you for tuning in to the Metropolitan Culture Corner, the very first Metropolitan Culture Corner of 2022. And I hope that this new year brings you a lot of art, music, culture, joy, laughter, good food, as you continue on your journey through this crazy, amazing life in our crazy, beautiful, amazing city. And I am looking forward to bringing you more interviews featuring the creative people who are the heart of our city's cultural scene throughout this next year. So tune in next month for a new edition of the Culture Corner. And don't forget to subscribe to our channel to be the first or among the first to have access to the latest interview, either as a video or as a convenient podcast on the first Monday of every month. That's it, guys. Are we done?